if we were uh, to, to kind of continue in our series of being uh, in the world, but not of it, and, and kind of looking at that, I wanted to, I was thinking, well, just timing-wise, when what would be the best thing to, to talk about? And I think with just some of the political things that are going on in the world, um, it's okay for us to just talk about the fact that we have election coming up, and that happens more than just every four years, but uh, very regularly. And what I want to say from the outset is this. Every one of us votes by how God wants us to vote. So we have a conversation with God in our quiet times. We have a conversation with him as we read his word to gain discernment as to what God would want us to do with our vote and how we support those people who are really authority over us to provide structure and blessing to us because we can live in peace. And so each of us does that as we have a relationship with God. And so uh, we don't tell people, hey, this is the best person because you know what? I don't even know who this person or that person, some city council person here. That I don't know who's best. But the discernment comes from us as we spend time in God's word and as we spend time uh, uh, praying and discerning that. And so from the outside, I want to share that. But I also want to share that uh, is we as we as Christians can be, I guess one of the words that probably would discern us the most or describe us the most sometimes is being in the world but not of it. Sometimes we're just apathetic because we take the position of, well, how can I be in the world when I'm not supposed to be of it? Maybe I'll just not do anything. And and that's not okay too, because just like Operation Christmas Child, you think of that, and that's not an apathetic reproach. That is, we we are gonna try to reach every island that has not been reached. And God's word needs to continue to go out to people. And if I was to go out in this country and, and, this, uh, and meet somebody on the street or, hey, meet somebody, and, and they started to ask me certain things about my church, and then they started to ask me about my faith, would it be okay for me to share that faith with them right now here in Sheridan, Wyoming? Would that be true all over the globe? And the, word, the answer is No. God's word needs to continue to go out. Apathy would say we're just not going to say anything or do anything. But actually being active in our faith allows us to say, you know what? We are going to, as much as we can, seek God's word and seek his wisdom. So his will to reach the far ends of the earth is accomplished. And we have opportunities here in this country to share, with, share the gospel with people live streaming, uh, in person, whatever. And those are, those are privileges that we have right now. And, and we want to keep those privileges because not only can we send things overseas to kids, but we have the opportunity to, to meet together, to invite people, and to, to, get, uh, to, to invite them into a community to continue to grow towards Christ. And so just I want to start with that by saying the importance of our... our uh, are just being active and not apathetic and at any level is that God's will needs to be accomplished and that is that everyone would hear the gospel that way. Are your knees registered? Have you ever heard of fists being registered or someone having a registered black belt? Have you ever heard of that before? And there are actually legal, legal implications for someone who is a professional fighter to use their fists in public. They are considered a lethal weapon. But I was going to ask you the question, are your knees registered? And when I ask that question, what I'm really asking is this. What do you depend on? What do you depend on when you're in a situation 
What's your go-to? Okay, First Timothy. Timothy was who? Who was he? Who was he? He was one of Paul's, kind of his protégés in a way, one of his disciples. Uh, Paul had led him to the Lord, it seems. He calls him a son in the faith. And so as Paul writes to Timothy, first, first Timothy, he's writing to this young man, and he's giving him some instructions that are just really just wise counsel. And so as we read First Timothy 2, just recognize that he is talking to not only Timothy, but also to the people in Timothy's congregation, as Timothy was really a pastor and actually became a pastor of pastors after a while. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. I want you to just read through that passage again with me, just kind of picking out some of the high points. He says, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And that's when we're praying for not only just what our own problems are, but we're praying for other people, we're praying for their issues, but we're also praying for them to come to the knowledge of the truth, which he goes on to talk about. For kings and all those in authority, that would include any, uh, your, your governor, your, your mayor, anybody who's in authority, that they may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. So God is a God of, he, he desires us to, to live in peace and to live in with order. And, and the, part of our praying is to actually have that accomplished. Who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's will is that everyone, that all people would be saved. Not everyone's going to respond to that will, but that's his, that's his, that's his wish for all people. He goes on, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been this now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose I was appointed a herald and apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a tr- and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. He says, therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger, or disputing. Now, have you ever in the last month felt this even just a sliver of anger as you have watched maybe TV or watched some, maybe you've read something in the newspaper, this is, and you're thinking to yourself, wow. And there is, there is a perspective in which we're looking at the world and we're like, wow, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. And boy, I don't want any part of this world because it's so crazy. It really is crazy. And what Timothy is encouraged to do is to recognize that that's not God's will and that we are to be praying for and working towards, not, uh, not in a very apathetic way, but actually being very, uh, very directional about how we be a part of God's story. So God has an upper story and it's his, his will to get to a point where, where he wants to go to, which is really where we have a, a relationship with him in eternity. But all of the lower stories of our lives as you connect Christians throughout the whole world from way, way back until the very end are, are making up the lower story. And so you think of Billy Graham and then you see Franklin Graham, and you realize those are two lower stories that are actually a part of other people's lower stories because how many kids will come to Christ because 
of the fact that they, sent, they set up a way for you and I Christians to affect people on the other side of the globe. An amazing feat. It's a part of God's upper story, but it's also a part of their lower story. Timothy is encouraged. You know what? By Paul, you can make a difference. And God's will is for all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so as we do that, we need to recognize that, yes, we will, be, we, we will lift up our hands, holy hands, not in, in, not in fist shaking, but in prayer and petition. And so as we look at this, one of the scriptures that as you're, as you're a Christian, you start to, I remember when I first time I read Romans 13, I thought, I never knew this was even in the Bible. Like, really? This is in the Bible? Does the Bible talk about government and how we're supposed to respond to our leaders? And not just government leaders, but really to church leaders or just people in authority. It could be a principle if you're in school. And so if you read Romans 13, there's some guidelines for us. It says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that, God, that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of, of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. And Paul's take-home message is this. God has put those people in authority. God wants the structure in place because, again, that's where peace comes from. And we are to set ourselves up underneath those people who God has put in place. So, for example, you may not like your parents if you're younger. Guess what? Kind of tough luck. You know, you're, <laughs> that's who God has put in your authoritative world. Uh, you may not like your principal or, or your teacher or, or someone who is maybe in your, in your world, the, your boss, the person who, who you, you, you have to answer to. But it's God's answer to what we would normally have. You look at the book of Judges. We study in the book of Ruth. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And you know what happens when that, when that happens? Just read the book of Judges, and it was just continual falling away from God. And there's this structure that God puts in place that is just the antithesis of that, that provides us with a sense of peace and order in which his accomplishment, his, his purpose can be accomplished, which is to reach all people with his truth so that they can come to know him. Romans 13 goes on, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Okay, so confession time. This is more of a uh, confession to yourself time. When's the last time you hit the brakes when you went when you went by or saw a peace, peace officer, okay? And you think to yourself, why did I do that? Did I do it because of the ticket that's pending and impending? Or did I do it because that was God's officer put in its place to provide us with a peaceful and safe community? And then you realize, oh, okay, I get it. It's not Romans 13 just isn't up here at kings and presidents and governors. It's also down here where God puts people in authority and over, uh, over us in order for us to actually 
prosper. God wants this. He knows that's where blessing is found. Well, they knew that in the first, te- the first century. And when you think of the first century, you think, man, something, I just wish I could just walk with Jesus. I just wish, you know, it'd be so easy to pray if I could just be with Jesus and just sit beside him. And those, those 12 guys had such an advantage. How did you get to church this morning? You did this, right? They walked everywhere. And nobody liked them. No one did. And the government at that time, remember how Paul was killed? Nero, and you realize what happened to him? I mean, you think of the worst king or, I don't even call him tyrant, of today, and they would not measure up to Nero. And you realize that was the government in which they were involved in and under at the time. And then you flip forward 2,000 years in 1950, and you realize, wow, we have, we have lots of problems in the world, but they're not new. Acts 5 This is what was going on 1950 years ago. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So they're pulled into the principal's office. It's a Jewish principal's office. And the council is asking them, We told you to shut your mouths about Jesus, and you didn't do it. And so Peter has this issue, his, and his, his disciples. Do we be quiet about it, or do we continue to do what God told us to do? Well, this is the dilemma that Christians get into. Romans 13, on the one hand, says, I listen to my leaders, and on the other hand, God has this authority over us that is superseding. And sometimes we get confused as to what God actually said and what we think, and what we think Christianity is about. And, and not necessarily what he has exactly said. And, and so we kind of use that and we say, well, you know what? I don't have to listen to the government because God's, uh, God, uh, I, I'm a Christian, and so this is how it is. Be very, very careful because what God says and what sometimes people uh, think are very, very different. I was looking at some things that are in the Bible and, and just the biblical, uh, biblical understanding amongst Christians and some of the sayings that Christians just sometimes just let come out of their mouths because they truly are not really versed in the Bible enough to know exactly what God did say about these things. Um, one of the f- most popular verses, and I hope you never say this, God helps those who help themselves. Is it true? Ah. But what about this? If God helps those who help themselves, what about those who can't help themselves? Do you see where the truth becomes a problem? It's, it's excluding something. It's, it's all about me. And, and the truth is, is that God's grace. I couldn't help myself. I was a sinner, and I knew it. And it wasn't that I could help myself, and that therefore he helped me. It's because I what? I could not help myself. And that's the gospel. And that's Operation Christmas Child. Those kids have nothing to give back. They can't help in any way. They can only receive. And so can we. There are a lot of different things that we think of that are not biblical. And I just want to challenge you, before you stand your ground on what, you know, what God said, is it what God said? And so that's where the Romans 13 thing is really, really careful. Because some Christians say, we need to do this. Well, did God say that or not? So we need to be careful. And at the same time, we also need to stand up for what God said. So they go on. It says, a different version, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. 
And he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. They added that part. That wasn't really truly what they were preaching. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. When it comes down to it, we need to obey God no matter what. And then obviously there are some situations where it becomes an issue, but they're pretty slim in this country. And in other countries, a little bit different. We have a very, very, very favorable scenario compared to what Peter and the apostles faced. Going back to Romans 13, this is also why you pay taxes. Oh, now here's a hard one. Now I know people who have said taxes are, you know what? No, taxes aren't even part of the Christian world. Oh, really? Oh, they weren't, huh? Okay. And then you read Romans 13, and you read the Gospels, and you realize Jesus, he he paid tax. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full-time governing. So if God wants people to be in places to govern so that we don't have this judges situation going on, he also, uh, he also is going to fund that. And so taxes are a way for the, us to have not only the nice roads that we drove our, our car on this morning so we didn't have to take the camel or whatever other, other mode you would have come, came with, but we also have people who are put all their time into governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So are you supposed to pay your taxes? Yeah, you are. Yeah, and God wants you to. And that's God's instruction. And what, you're, what he's saying is, is you, you are a part of this world. You are in this world. But in the same way, he wants us to be an active agent in this world as well. So we're a part of it, but we're supposed to be active. And part of that is paying taxes. Part of it is being involved in government, being involved in decision-making at whatever level, whether it's school board that you're going to be uh, serving on or whatever the, the scenario. It says this in Matthew 22. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So they were questioning Jesus, trying to trip him up. And so they came to him and they said, let's choose taxes because that's a controversial subject. It's a controversial subject today. And so this issue of taxation is, so they say, is it right? And so Jesus responds, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Why did he say that? First of all, because he knew they were just trying to get him. So he just used an illustration. But what he was saying was this. God has put them in authority so that he could accomplish his will so that all people could hear the gospel. And the Romans actually took those, that money, and as Pastor Try mentioned last week, they built something with them that was very important for the gospel. What was it? Yeah, Pastor Ty talked about the, the, the cell phone, remember, and, the, and, and basically technology and that media. And he said that that can be used for good, right? Back in Caesar's day, what was good? The roads. You pay taxes, the roads were built. What allowed the gospel to spread so quickly and to get where it needed to go was this new road system. And actually, the Roman government created a language called Koine Greek that would allow everyone, it was a common language that was used for business. Now here's business, but it was also used, all those businessmen when they were, who were Christians also used that language for what? To transmit the gospel to anyone who had ever learned Koine Greek, which would be anyone who ever went to business school in that day. Therefore, God's calling uh, 
people to pay taxes created this system in which the language and the roads could be built to provide the gospel's outlet to the whole world. Isn't that cool? God just turns it right on its head. And you realize, oh, you mean we're supposed to do these things because God has a master plan that we may not see ahead of time what he's doing. But yet he says, just trust me. This is, this is, what, this is what is good because I can accomplish my will. Well, how about your vote? So are Christians supposed to be in the world and vote, or, but not of it? Or how is that supposed to work? Are you supposed to vote as a Christian? I would just say this. Do what God tells you to do. And at the same time, when he tells you that you are to pay taxes, you are also, he's, what he's saying is, is you're, you're, you're going to be a natural part of the flow of this world. And that's how things should be, because you're trying to influence other people who are also of this world. And so, yeah, we're supposed to be distinct, but we're supposed to be in it and of it and not of it. What would God have you do? And I just say that you talk it over with him. If he says don't vote, then you know what? He's the, he's the, he's the, he's the top person to, to answer to. But I would also be asking this question here ahead of time, because we have some time to vote before this next time, is to be prayerfully considering what you will vote if you do vote. Not just at the moment, the last moment going, oh man, I mean, I need a cliff note sheet is what I really need, is what you're hoping for. And you're, you're looking around to the most politically savvy person you know who has somewhat of a similar worldview from you, and you're thinking, what did you, who, who's this person and that person? And I know how that works. But are we, pray, are we praying ahead of time, God, allow me to accomplish your will through my activity within your world? Realizing that candidates are never the hope, are they? So you, you get your bulletproof bulletin, and you've got all the cheat notes and stuff, and you realize these are the best candidates. And in the end of that, guess what happens? God is still in control, isn't he? He can depose or he can set someone up as a leader, and that's just the, the truth of it. And there is no perfect candidate because just like you and I, they're still, and it's a key thing, they're sinners. And they are still sinners who are just like us, who make mistakes, and so we recognize that we need to pray for them because they are in a position of authority, and people who are in authority in God's world are held to what? A greater accountability. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your teachers. Pray for your principals. Pray for your school board members. Pray for your mayor. Pray for all of those who are in authority over you because to make good decisions and to live in a way that would lead those who are behind them. And so we recognize that we are dependent upon God in that way. Ephesians 5 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every, every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What it's saying is, don't be apathetic, be active, but realize that we need to seek God's will. You read Romans 12 and you recognize that his good, pleasing, perfect will is discerned through a process of us getting to know him. And how can we be in the world and make decisions in the world if we're not actually spending time with him in prayer and in the word and with other people who also get uh, counsel from him? And that's just a calling to those small groups and, and those places that we are fed and we, we grow most. Second Chronicles 7.14. Here it is right here. It says this, If my people who are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal, heal their land. 
And we recognize that. We see that. We've heard that before. And we recognize that the key thing in that is pray. Seek his face and pray. And so as we are looking for solutions to things that are going on in our little worlds around us and big worlds around us and, and maybe pandemics and all those things, prayer is the common theme that we see. And people oftentimes turn towards leaders or towards vaccines or towards whatever it is for solutions. And this isn't new. This, in 1 Samuel, it says this, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at, Beer, at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest game and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Up until this time, Israel had never had a king. And who had been their leader? God had. And he communicated through his, his prophets and his leaders that he had. And so he was kind of the, he was calling the, 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 their decisions really on the field through his leaders. Uh, and here they're asking for a king because all the other countries or tribes had what? Kings. And so here's a part of being in the world, but not necessarily of the world. We, we discern things. We go, okay, what does God want us to do here? And if just because someone else is doing something or other people are doing something, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's our use of technology or whether it's this or our time, whatever, um, it's an issue of how does God want us to do it because it may be different for us. And in this situation, that's actually absolutely what is true. So Samuel doesn't want to do it, but they're asking for a king. And so Israel's like, hey, you know, we got problems and we think we can solve these problems because the thing we're missing is what other countries have, which is a what? Which is a king who is also a what? A sinner who is also infallible and who cannot see around the corners like God did. And so they were being guided by this sovereign God who could, who could lead them through Red Seas and every, every which kind of block. And then they asked for a king, and that's when things really started to go downhill. Verse 6, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. He was heartbroken. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king. God was king, and that's where it went downhill. And then they, they elected who as their first king? Who was it? Saul. What was his, what was his general character? Look good on the outside. Not so good on the inside, was he? Didn't turn out to be a very good king either. Tried to kill David, who was his successor. And you realize, even David, you realize he's the king. And when all the kings go off to war, what does David do? I was reminded by my, my kids about the videos they watched when they were younger. And the, the, the video about the ducky. What is it, Morgan? Tell me. The video about the ducky. From VeggieTales. And you realize, even VeggieTales got a spin on that. You realize, wow, he really messed up, didn't he? 
And in VeggieTales, he wanted the ducky that some, belonged to someone else, but it wasn't that way. And you read the details as Pastor Tri says, why do we leave these parts out? You, know, you, you, have, you have the Goliath with, with his head, and you, have, and you have David with his murder, adultery, and then a bunch of things that came behind it. God's purpose is to accomplish his will. Infallible leaders need our prayer, and we need to seek him first before we start putting all our, our trust in leaders. A king made sense to them. Made, everybody else had one. They, desi they desired security and power and all the things that came with that, but realizing they discussed it, and without even voting, they kind of they just did it. Israel voted God out by not connecting him and, uh, and actually praying to him to get his input on the situation. Hosea 8 forces this, they made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. And so we can live in this world without trusting God, but it never works out well. Joshua 9, you probably know the story. As they're going into the promised land, they go around Jericho and they march and then they start taking over things and they're doing pretty well. And now the people are very fearful in the promised land. They see this war machine of Israel coming through, wiping people out. So in Joshua 9, we see the Gibeonites show up at the Israelites' camp. And what they do is they put on old sandals and they make it look like they traveled a long ways, which is not true because they're just in the neighboring village. But they were scared of God's people. So they made, God, God had told them, don't make any, any packs or anything. You're going to take over the promised land. The Gibeonites come in and they, made, they deceive them by making them uh, sense that they were from a far off land. And so the Israelites say, hey, these guys want to make peace. I mean, everybody hates this. Why don't we, why don't we go ahead and make a, some kind of an alliance with somebody? And it was, a, it was a deception. And what they failed to do was what? One key thing when they were making this decision. They did not consult God. They were going to, to the vote, but they did not consult God. We need to consult God in decisions, all of our decisions, but especially those decisions that are really, really important to his kingdom and to his, his purposes. And so our most, our most powerful vote probably is on our knees. It probably is, because it's where we get the discernment and the wisdom to know how to make decisions in a very, very difficult situation or uh, maybe not such a clear-cut thing. And so we pray to the power of God that they would change people and circumstances and even people who are, who are in office. We pray that God would just steer them. You go, man, I just don't even like my leader. Maybe that's true of you. I don't know if it's a mayor or whatever. God can change people. God can get a hold of people and change them. And it's very, very real true. Proverbs 21 says this, In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who please him. I remember when the kids, we went to California one time, and they, they made these sandcastles. And you could stream water by just directing things. as The water would come in, and it would come back out. And you've played in the mud before, too, and you realize you can stream things. And you realize that water is very malleable. It says this, The king's heart is like water in God's hand. And he can take someone who is maybe not even one of his followers, and he can change his heart. And that may be one of the prayers that you have if you can't, if you can't see through how God is going to use him. Allow him to be changed. Pray for that change. Pray for that he'd come to know Christ if he doesn't know Christ first. And pray for leadership who will follow his leading. Timothy's prayer is really probably a year-long prayer. 
It says, I urge you then, first of all, first of all, most important, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. And that's for all people. But he goes on to say, for kings and all those in authority, they're not outside the, the world of our prayer, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You've read James 5.16, it says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now the background of that is this, Benjamin Franklin uh, once addressed an assembly struggling with a decision with these words. In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarcely able to distinguish it when it is presented to us, how has it happened that we have not hereto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of light to illuminate our understanding? You get in a confusing situation, what, what reason more do we have to seek God's clarity on, on what to do next? And so when James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, boy, it gives us direction. And this James that it talks about is the brother of Jesus. And so as James was a, an unbeliever to start with and, and actually was thought his brother Jesus was crazy and some kind of lunatic, later came to understand that Jesus was actually the Messiah. And he was, James became the, the pastor, the primary pastor of Jerusalem, which is the, obviously one of the biggest churches. And James was known for many, many things. He was known for uh, something called camel's knees. Have you ever heard of camel's knees before? They're the knees that when you've been on, if you're a tiler or a concrete guy, you probably know what camel's knees look like. It's because you spent too long on your knees. It says this about James. He alone was permitted to enter into the holy place. Can you imagine? He alone was permitted to enter into the holy place, kind of like the high priest. For he wore not woolen, but linen garments. And he was in a habit of entering alone in the temple and was frequently found upon his knees begging for forgiveness for the people, so that his knees became hard like those of a camel, in consequence of his constantly bending them in worship of God and asking forgiveness for the people. And you think, wow, Second Chronicles 7 to 14 fits. If we turn, if we turn and we, we put ourselves in, the, in that position of camel's knees, that is the position in which God responds to us and our petitions. Whether it's a business that's starting up, whether it's a classroom that doesn't look like last year, or whether it looks like a, some kind of a sport that looked different yesterday, yes, last year, or whether it's just the, the living in the world that we're living in. We can live in it and not of it, but it has to do with what we do with our knees and how we pray. And so if you have registered knees, if you haven't had registered knees before now, I just registered them just now, and I, I intend for you to use them this next week if God's will uh, would be accomplished. And so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the example of your people. But more, more than that, thank you for your sovereignness that you want us to live in the world and yet not of it. And at the same time, we are to spread your word and we are to uh, be an example to people who don't have light. They don't have anyone who they can turn to to illuminate their path. God, we ask you this week as we spend time with you, 
on our knees and off of our knees, during the flow of our work week or during the time with our families as we walk along the path or whatever we're doing, that we would pray to you, that we would submit to you, that we would ask for forgiveness, that you would heal our land, that you would heal our globe, but not just heal it, but that you would, you would send messengers, ourselves and others, for your gospel to be heard to the ends of the earth that that would be what heals this, this land and that you, would, uh, that you would influence those people that need to be influenced, our leaders, and you would put people in power that are people who will accomplish your will, who will do your, your, your bidding for you. And so we pray we, as just dependent people upon you, knowing that you have the power and all the sovereignness to accomplish your will. And we just pray for those people who don't know you on this globe. We pray that they would come to know you in a personal way, that they would walk with you and talk with you, and, and that they would start doing your bidding as well. They're not the enemy. It's the powers and the, those things that are in the spiritual side of things. And we just ask that you would pull people back over to your side, that your Holy Spirit would prompt them, that you would convict them, and that they would find comfort in your peace. And we thank you for this. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.